following is a presentation of Artisan Church in Rochester, New York. <laughs> so Colleen is uh, on the leadership team um, at our church and also is um, part of the College of Preachers. And so we have kind of a revolving group of people who preach. And today Colleen is going to talk to us about um, invitation and welcome. So thanks. Thanks, Del. I <laughs> wasn't expecting to be actually uh, introduced, but that's okay. <laughs> um, I'm going to actually pass something around. There is, uh, Lord willing, going to be a video later. <laughs> um, and so I have a transcript of that video. If you're somebody who would find that helpful, um, if you can't hear uh, too well what's going to be going on on the video, there's not a ton, so only take one if you need one. Um, we weren't able to put subtitles on the video, so this is kind of our uh, uh, cheap subtitle. Okay. So um, we're going to first look at a passage in First Thessalonians. Um, you can find it on page 959 in the Red Bibles near you, or in your own Bible. I'm not really sure what page it would be on. <laughs> um, so I'll give you a second to find that. Okay, so we're going to be reading from 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 1 through 13. You know, brothers and sisters, that our visit to you was not without results. We had previously suffered and been treated outrageously in Philippi, as you know. But with the help of our God, we dared to tell you his gospel in the face of strong opposition. For the appeal we make does not spring from error or impure motives, nor are we trying to trick you. On the contrary, we speak as those approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel. We are not trying to please people, but God, who tests our hearts. You know we never used flattery, nor did we put on a mask to cover up greed. God is our witness. We were not looking for praise from people, not from you or anyone else, even though as apostles of Christ we could have asserted our authority. <clears throat> Instead, we were like young children among you. Just as a nursing mother cares for her children, so we cared for you. Because we loved you so much, we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well. Surely you remember, brothers and sisters, that our toil and hardship. We worked night and day in order not to be a burden to anyone while we preached the gospel of God to you. You are witnesses. And so is God of how holy, righteous, and blameless we were among you who believed. For you know that we dealt with each of you as a father deals with his own children, encouraging, comforting, and urging you to live lives worthy of God who calls you into his kingdom and glory. And we also thank God continually because when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as a human word, but as it actually is, the word of God which is indeed at work in you who believe. Okay, so we're going to be using this passage today um, as a jumping off point for looking at what it looks like to um, more intentionally invite our friends to church and to other acts of worship that we um, engage in throughout the week. And so, like any good uh, sermon, I've broken it down into three parts. We're going to talk first about the fears that keep us from inviting people to church, and then uh, the key to a posture of invitation, which is 
I'm going to argue, um, authenticity and living our lives authentically among others. And then finally, what God does with those acts of invitation and how we need to trust him to do the rest of the work. So let's start with fear. And we're first going to look at um, some of the fears that Paul talks about in this passage that they had um, as they came to the Thessalonians and uh, preached the word of God there. So very early on in this passage, we hear that they had previously suffered and been treated outrageously in Philippi. And we can actually get an account of what happened, what he's referring to, if we turn back to Acts chapter 16. And we find out that the reason that they had suffered and been treated outrageously is because they had spent some time uh, among the Philippians. And at one point, they came across this woman who uh, had a demon. And they cast out this demon. And it turns out this woman had been a slave. And her master was using the demon as his livelihood. And so he got really upset when they cast out this demon. And he had them flogged and imprisoned. Um, So that's, you know a difficult experience to come off of to then go to Thessalonica and be expected to continue to spread the good news. And so some of the other uh, fears that Paul talks about are um, fears of other people judging um, them as being greedy or impure or resorting to trickery or being delusional. And all of those kind of fall under this category of worrying about what other people think of us instead of about what God thinks of us. And so I think I can identify with some of those fears of being judged. And as I thought about my own fears when it comes to inviting people to church, I thought about um, this fear of being typecasted as one of those Christians, um, losing credibility amongst my peers, finding myself in a debate where I can't hold my own and I don't know what the next thing is to say, losing friendships, being misunderstood, being rejected. Um, And then if you think, if you get past all of those fears and you actually do invite somebody to church, there's a whole other set of fears that comes with that. Because what if they say yes and they come and they show up and they're scared away or they don't understand what's going on or nobody else says hi to them and they don't feel welcome here and they don't experience the same thing that we experience when we come to church and, um, so they, they can't see why, why we would be coming to church. Um, so these are all, you know, pretty reasonable fears. But the apostles moved past that. And Paul said, and yet despite all of this, in verse 2, we dared to tell you about the gospel and our efforts were not without results. So how did they do it? Well, at the heart of a posture of invitation, I believe is the ability to live our faith out authentically among those um, that we spend our lives with. And the apostles uh, do this as well. And in order to live out uh, your faith authentically, you really have to stop thinking about what other people are going to think and uh, deeming yourself worthy based on others' opinions of you and look to God and realize that your worth inherently comes in him. And Paul talks about this in verse 4 when he says, We're not trying to please people, but God, who tests our hearts. Now, the word test, when I first read this, was a little bit off-putting. In our day, it kind of has this like negative connotation, like God is judging us. And so 
when I find words in the Bible that I'm kind of like, I don't really know what this actually means. Sometimes I'll look up the Greek word. And I don't speak Greek. I'm a lay person. I didn't go to seminary. But there's this really awesome app called the Blue Letter Bible where you can look up any passage and figure out what the Greek words were and what those, the original meaning of the passage was. So I did that, and I looked up the word tests. It might be a different word in your version that you're reading, but the underlying Greek word is dokimatso. I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing that right, but that's what it is. And what it means is to deem worthy. And Paul actually uses this word twice in verse 4 um, when he says... Uh, those approved by God, that's the dokimatsu word, and then also God who tests our hearts. And so he's really emphasizing that it's not about what other people think about them. It's what God thinks about them. And since they're children of God, God loves them and he deems them as worthy. And so because they knew that their inherent worth came from Christ and not from what other people thought of them, they were able to experience the freedom of living their lives and their faith out authentically amongst others. So authenticity is how invitation really works. And you see the, um, Paul and his apostles living authentically amongst the Thessalonians. He talks about how they weren't wearing any masks to cover up greed, that they were like young children among them. And if you think about young children, you know, they're very expressive. They don't really... Um, tamper down what they think, right? They just kind of say it. Um, so they are pretty much the embodiment of living authentically. Um, and then he says in verse 8, because we loved you so much, we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well. And I think this is key, the fact that they shared their lives with the Thessalonians as they were living amongst them. And those lives were not easy lives. Um, He mentions the toil and hardship that they went through to support themselves as they lived with them. But he also mentions how they cared for each other and encouraged and comforted each other. And if we go back to Acts again, we can kind of see another really important part of what it meant for them to live their lives amongst the people that they were with. And that's that they invited them into their place of worship. So I'm going to read from Acts 16, uh, verse 11 on, uh, and then a little bit later on in verse 25. So it says, actually starting in uh, verse 13. On the Sabbath, we went outside the city gate to the river, where we expected to find a place of prayer. We sat down and began to speak to the woman who had gathered there. One of those listening was a woman from the the city of Thyatira named Lydia, a dealer in purple cloth. She was a worshiper of God. The Lord opened her heart to respond to Paul's message. When she and the members of her household were baptized, she invited us to her home. If you consider me a believer in the Lord, she said, come and stay at my house. And she persuaded us. And then later in verse 25, this is now when uh, Paul and Silas are actually in prison uh, because they cast out the demon and the slave woman. And says, about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the other prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. At once all the prison doors flew open and everyone's chains came loose. The jailer woke up and when he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. But Paul shouted, don't harm yourself, we are all here. 
the jailer called for lights, rushed in, and fell trembling before Paul and Silas. He then brought them out and asked them, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? They replied, Believe in the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved, you and your household. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all the others in his house. So living amongst uh, the people that they were with and inviting them into their places of worship led to these experiences where people saw what it was like to live a life worthy of God. And instead of the, the apostles inviting them into um, continued community, they were actually invited to the people's houses to continue to worship. So that's how the apostles did it. And I want to spend a little bit of time sharing with you some of my story about how um, I've become a little bit more comfortable with inviting people to church. So when Scott first asked me to give this sermon, I was kind of surprised because I didn't actually think I was good at inviting people to church. (laughs) Um, Because there have been a lot of fears in the past for me, um, including a lot of the ones that I already shared with you. And I, um, when I was younger, I was really open about my faith. And that led to some difficulties with some friendships uh, in middle school. And so after that experience, I kind of shut that part of my life off to the world. And I still was very um, strong in my faith, but not many people necessarily knew about that. I didn't talk about it that much. Um, I always dreaded the question, like, what did you do this weekend? Because I knew that part of that answer was that I went to church, but I didn't want to talk about that part. Um, So it all kind of came to a head when I was in college and uh, leading my Christian fellowship. And so my name was the one on all of the posters plastered around campus as the person to contact if they wanted to be involved with the fellowship. And so I couldn't hide anymore. Um, My professors knew that I was a Christian, and my classmates knew that I was a Christian. And so from that experience, I began to embrace that part of my life a little bit more and share it with the world. So when I came to Rochester for medical school three years ago, um, I didn't know anybody here initially, and so I had this opportunity again to decide, like, what did I want people to know about me? And I made this conscious decision that my faith was going to be an important part of what I wanted to share with others. I wanted them to know that I was a Christian. And so very early on, my classmates uh, knew that I was a Christian, and I would talk about this awesome church that I had found called Artisan, Um, And I would share with them all the exciting things that I was um, involved with at Artisan. Um, I told them about the racial injustice series that we had, the series about brokenness in our city of Rochester, uh, the series we had about disability and faith. These were all things that I think my classmates could really identify with because they cared about those things too. And then I shared about uh, the Passover Seder that we did a couple years ago. And that actually led to a really interesting conversation with one of my classmates who's a Jewish rabbi. And um, we talked about Passover, and then we ended up talking about Pentecost and learning a lot of really cool stuff there. Um, I talked about the mindfulness class that Autumn led a couple years ago. I talked about our partnership with Baber and with Rain, which, by the way, uh, the Rain Week is coming up again, so you should sign up <laughs> and maybe invite somebody else to do too. Um, And then I talked about the numerous potlucks and game nights and social justice movie nights and, of course, cider days. And you know what happened? People started asking me if they could come to church. So you see why I didn't really think I was good at inviting people? Because I wasn't actually the one doing the inviting. They were asking if they could come. And 
I would say, yeah, and, you know, open up the doors so that they would be able to come and experience all of the really cool things that I've been experiencing. So I'm going to share one particular story of somebody who asked me if they could come to church, um, and that's Dowling. You all know, uh, some of you know Dowling. He's not actually here today because he just got married. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, um, so Dowling and I have been friends since the beginning of med school. And he wasn't somebody that I particularly thought would um, be interested in learning more about my faith, but I shared about my faith in the same ways that I shared about it with all of my classmates. And at one point, he overheard a conversation that I was having with my Jewish rabbi friend, Shalom, about a passage that we had been studying in a Bible study the night before. And we were on the elevator, and we were talking about this passage, and then we were just decided that we were going to continue this conversation over lunch. And Dowling was standing there too, and he said, can I come to lunch with you too? And uh, being the person who's really bad at saying no, I said yes. But it was really uncomfortable because I didn't know what he was going to think about this. Well, it turns out he was really interested in what we were talking about. And after that conversation, asked if he could start coming to Bible study with us. So I said yes. And after a couple months of him coming to Bible study faithfully every week, I thought, hmm, Easter's coming up. You should probably invite Dowling to church. So I invited him to Easter service two years ago, and he came. And I'm going to let him share a little bit more about his perspective on that experience. And it looks like the video's working in the back, <laughs> but not the front. Um. We just need the projector to turn on. Oh, there we go. Okay, so I'll let you guys watch this and then I'll be back. down with me and have this conversation today. So I want you to go back to the first time that I invited you to church and share with me a little bit your perspective on that experience. I guess I felt that like for that Easter Sunday that it was just going to be a one-time kind of deal and not like I didn't have to feel pressured to go to, to church with you again uh, after Easter. But I don't know, just coming to Artisan for the first time, I don't know, it was something about the music and uh, Scott Sermon and the people there that really, that I felt that I connected with uh, on a personal level uh, for the first time, something that I really hadn't experienced growing up, going to church. So do you remember like our conversation about that invitation itself and how you were feeling when I asked you to come to church on Sunday? And I think the way that how you approached it, like just an open invitation that was entirely up to me to decide whether or not I wanted to go really gave me the freedom or I felt I had the freedom to really not go if I chose to or mm -hmm. go and I felt that you wouldn't judge me or think any less of me if I which whatever this is decision I came to mm -hmm. so I, I guess I felt safe mm -hmm. so word that word I would use um and it wasn't an obligation yeah it wasn't it was really an obligation yeah it was my own choice and I didn't feel like it was an obligation and coming from you that you know you were my peer at the time we we're 
both in first year medical school, I felt that I uh, could connect to you in a, like a very equal level. I didn't feel like you were coming from an authority position and telling me I had to go. So again, I felt very safe uh, mm -hmm. coming. Yeah. So we had been friends for like eight or nine months before I invited you to church. And it wasn't like I invited you to church out of the blue, right? We had had other conversations about my religion and Christianity in general mm -hmm. and stuff like that. So could you share a little bit of your experience with how you started coming to like talking to me about Christianity and how that conversation first started? So actually how, I, and we were talking about this the other day, how it really started was that I was in the elevator with you and you were just <laughs> like, we were just, I think we were going to anatomy lab or something. Yeah. And, uh, and you were talking to Shalom or, yeah, uh, Shalom. Uh, about uh, some conversation that you had in Bible study, but the way that you talked about it, it didn't sound like I don't know for because I've I've gone I gone to small groups before, like in my church back mm -hmm. home when I was in high school, and the way that you talked about scripture really felt like really felt like you were telling a story mm -hmm. more than um, like trying to interpret some meaning and apply it directly to our lives right now. So that kind of sparked my curiosity again, because I felt that I wanted to know how the story ended. And I think you were talking about, I think you were discussing Samuel, mm -hmm. and I think it was Samuel 1. And you were just talking about King David's story and how, uh, I think at the time you were talking about the, the part of the story where he cuts uh, Saul's, uh, part of Saul's um, cloak. cloak. Yeah. And... I don't know, I just felt like, oh, I want to know how this finishes, like <laughs> that kind of feeling. So I think you were talking about Shalom too, about going to a PBL or like small room to uh, discuss, further discuss the chapter. And I just felt that I wanted to listen more about it. Um, I didn't really, at the time, I didn't feel that I was going to participate or anything like that or that I was going to engage, but I just wanted to listen to you both discuss this and discuss the story and draw meaning from it, but totally from like a, I guess a sort of historical perspective. Mm -hmm. And, and again, that really like, I don't know, just sparked curiosity in me. And it was like, I felt that, um, for the first time, I felt that that curiosity kind of came from within me instead of someone telling me that, oh, you should read the Bible or, oh, you should study scripture because it's a good thing to do. And that's mm -hmm. why, but if, more felt that I wanted to learn more about it, but like it came out of me. I don't know if that yeah, makes sense. Yeah, definitely. Um, so since you've been coming to Artisan now for two years, you, you decided, okay, I'm going to actually come even when Colleen doesn't come. Yeah, that was, a, that was actually a very hard decision. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, it used to be that whenever you said that you were out of town or something, I was like, well, I guess I'm not going to church this week. Uh, I better stay home this morning. Uh, but I think I remember just one Sunday, um, uh, I can't remember, yeah, I can't remember, like, what was that moment exactly, that, like, that turning point mm -hmm. where I, I stopped feeling that I was just there witnessing and not contributing to, uh, letting really, like, scripture and religion and the Christian community and all those things like stepped into my life personally mm -hmm. and like take that and appropriate that in a sense uh, for my own life instead of listening from others or listening to the experiences of others. Uh, but I, I think that day I just came here and I just sat at the place that I usually sit with you <laughs> and I just 
was there and it wasn't because it wasn't because anybody told me I had to do it it wasn't because anyone told me that was the right thing to do I just felt that that's what I wanted to do mm -hmm. on that Sunday morning at 10 a.m. Mm -hmm. um, and I don't know that felt good uh, just it felt good that um, like in all my years and my experiences with religion I always considered myself to be a spiritual person um, and I've always like, there was never a time where I didn't, when I said that I didn't believe in God or anything like that. Um, but I never really felt that personal connection. So since you've been coming to Artisan, um, I know that you've had some experiences with inviting other people to church. So mm -hmm. could you share a little bit with me about what that was like? Uh, there have been instances with other people in our class in medical school that have approached me about their religious beliefs or their, um, needs or uh, to find the community uh, where they could uh, go to church and uh, here in Rochester. And like at that moment in that space, I guess, at first, I just like told people about Artisan Church, like, hey, how about this church that I go to? I've been going for, to it for a while and um, like it's the same church that Colleen goes to and I like it a lot. I think you would like it. Uh, why don't you drop by any Sunday and just like let me know if you want to ride and like I can pick you up. Mm -hmm. But it wasn't like, and I and just leave it at that. It wasn't like uh, I didn't like follow up on people. I didn't tell people like on Sunday morning like hey ready to go like <laughs> ready to go to church. It was more you like show a, up at their door. And yeah, I didn't like show up like hey let's go. I'm <laughs> in the car here waiting for you. It was more uh, an open invitation to mm -hmm. in a sense and like like. From time to time, I would bring it up again, um, but not really like pressuring anyone. It was just like putting it out there. And so, how did they come to you knowing that they could talk to you about church and spirituality and stuff? What had you shared with them? Um, I mean, I'm I'm not really like reserved about saying that I go to church. Mm -hmm. Like I tell I, everybody knows that it's around me. I'm pretty open about it. Like it's not like a secret that I have like what I do on Sunday mornings. Like <laughs> I keep it quiet. Yeah. Um I remember you were telling me about specifically when people invite you to brunch. Oh uh, yeah, when people like yeah, when like sometimes people invite me to brunch and it's like, okay guys, I can't. I only can after it used to be after what eleven thirty, now it's after ten thirty. Like I can't <laughs> uh go to brunch at that time. I'm going to church, just so you know. And it wasn't like uh I'm going to church, like, because it's the right thing to do, you shouldn't be going to brunch. It was just like, <laughs> I'm going to church, and I can go to brunch later. It was yeah. it was never, a, like, something that I used to, like, judge people or, mm -hmm. like, push people away. It was more, like, something that I wanted people to realize that was a part of me. Yeah, so they were aware of that part of you, yeah. that you did yeah. that thing. And yeah. That, so then that led to other conversations yeah. after um, that. yeah. And uh, particularly, I have a friend who uh, was going through a really rough spot, and, um, like, it was the first time. She didn't really, like, talk to me about religion before, um, but since she was going through such a hard time, I just offered it, mm -hmm. and that was, like, the first person I offered it out of the blue. Um, and I, I feel that that situation, um, where she was vulnerable, I felt that um, it was something... That I or something else other than my support that I could offer mm -hmm. to make her feel more com feel more comfortable. Hmm. Cool. Well, thanks for sharing with us today, and uh, I'm glad that you've been coming to Artisan all this time. No problem. <laughs> <laughs>
Okay. <laughs> so, um, <clears throat> Dowling said something really interesting, I think, in that video that leads us to the last point about trusting God to do the rest. And he said that he didn't really know where it came from, but there was this curiosity that had come from somewhere within him that he hadn't experienced before. And that's kind of why he became interested in learning more about my faith and coming to church here. And Paul touches on this too in this, uh, in this chapter in verse 13 where he says that uh, you accepted it not as human word, but as it actually is, the word of God, which is indeed at work in you believe. And so there's this important last point that ultimately it isn't up to us to be successful, but obedient. And I'll actually make a little confession here. When I first invited Dowling to church on Easter Sunday, I told him the wrong time. I told him an hour later than when it actually was supposed to be. And so I showed up at his door an hour early and said, hey, I'm ready to pick you up. And uh, he still ended up coming. So, you know, even despite all of my failings, um, God was working in Dowling's life. So we're called to live authentic lives. And if faith is a part of who you are and what you experience, then we should be expressing that part of our lives with the people around us. Now, I'm going to leave you with three little um, ways to uh, embrace invitation a little bit more in your own life. And so the first one is for you to think about what excites you about your faith or about your church. And think about if you're sharing those things with the people around you. Do other people know that you're excited about your faith? Or, um, or about what's going on at your church. And the second one is maybe invitation in and of itself is just really scary. And so inviting someone to church, that's like the ultimate level, right? And I can't even invite somebody to something more benign. Um, so if that's you, I want to encourage you to just practice inviting people to things. Um, find somebody in this room this afternoon and say, hey, you want to go to brunch? Or invite someone to a game night or over to your house. Um, just start practicing the act of invitation. And then lastly is to think about who in this room might you be able to partner with as you think about inviting people to your church um, so that invitation doesn't just be a, isn't just a me thing, uh, but it becomes an us thing. And that partnership might look like praying with somebody about certain people in your lives Um, It might be uh, having that person serve as an accountability partner to encourage you to invite people and check in from time to time to see if you're doing that. Or it might be somebody that you can text when you actually do have somebody that you've invited and who's coming to church and say, my friend's coming, can you come and say hi to them so that somebody else talks to them? Um, So those are all, you know, some options there. So we're going to transition now into a time of communion. And as you come to the table today, I want you to think about um, different ways that you might be able to uh, better invite people into your faith journey. And I want you to take some time to just breathe in your inherent worthiness in God as a human being and breathe out your self-judgments and appraisals of your human doings so that you might experience the freedom that comes from living an authentic life. And that's really where invitation starts. So the table is open to anyone. Um, It's not just a table of artisan members or regular attenders. Um, If you confess to be following Jesus Christ, um, you're welcome at this table. And you can just take a piece of bread and dip it in uh, either the wine or the juice, whatever is appropriate for you. 
And um, if you want to uh, enjoy communion with uh, your family and your children, this would be a good time to go pick them up. If not, you can pick them up right after you uh, do communion. And so um, the table is open for the rest of the service. So I invite you to partake. For more information, visit us at artisanchurch.com.